What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Self-Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And we are so excited about this episode. We oh, are joined by Dr. <laughs> Dr. Stephanie Sarkis to talk about gaslighting, uh, which is a helpster's choice pick. Uh, if you want to be able to help choose the topics that we're going to talk about on the show, you can become a patron. You can go to patreon.com slash self-helpless. And Dr. Sarkis just did such an amazing job describing her. gaslighting, describing the effects that gaslighting has on people in romantic relationships, professional relationships, within your family, within friendships. And, you know, we've done a couple past episodes in the last couple months about narcissistic personality disorder. And that is a, a place that you really see a lot of gaslighting happening. Um, so she's a psychotherapist. She's an author of the book, Gaslighting, Recognize Manipulative and Emotionally Abusive People and Break Free. Um, she's so incredible. She had a, an article go viral on psychology today about gaslighting. And we just had an absolute blast talking to her. Um, so few tour dates coming up that I want to let you guys know about. If you came out to the shows in Washington, D.C. and at the uh, Comics Roadhouse in Connecticut, thank you so much. I I hope those shows were really fun. Um, So I am going to be headlining the Blue Room Comedy Club in Springfield, Missouri, August 8th through... I'm sorry, August 6th through the 8th. Uh, I've, I'm already seeing you guys online, helps just saying that you're coming out. I'm really excited. I've, I haven't done that club before. Should be fun. And then I'm going to be headlining the Comedy Fort in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 20th through the 21st. And then Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, September 16th through the 18th. Ooh, tour date. Always a mouthful. <laughs> 
Um, nice. And hopefully some even more added by the time this episode comes out. So you can get tickets at KelseyCook.com or you can follow me on Instagram at KelseyCookComedy. And there's a link in my bio there as well. Beautiful. How about you, Del? Yeah. If you are a service provider and you are looking to increase your revenue, your impact with your clients, and increase your free time by utilizing simple, minimalistic approaches to your offer, your marketing, your operations, feel free to check out DelaneyFisher.com for my one-to-one coaching and consulting services there. I also do corporate consulting as well. And I also have a podcast for service providers who want some free information. And that show is called Eficionado. And that is it. it. Out. <laughs> Check it out. All right. Here is our episode with the fantastic Dr. Sarkis. Dr. Sarkis, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes, we uh, we cannot wait to dive into this topic. This has been highly requested by our community. But before we get into everything, do you have a favorite or least favorite quote that means something to you in some way? <laughs> oh, I like least favorite. That's a, that's a good <laughs> thing too. So my most favorite is, or one of them, I have many, but one of them is that everyone is fighting a battle that we know nothing about. Oh. That we really need to be kind because it may appear that someone's doing okay, but anxiety, depression, all those things that don't always show up, they're internalized disorders. So, mm. and emotions that we really need to look at um, in the way that we treat people, they're going through stuff. And we also need to acknowledge that about ourselves too. Uh, my least favorite quotes are the ones that tell you just to suck it up and get on with it. Um, yes. <laughs> those are my least favorite because I think that that can be that toxic positivity and sure. that we really need to look at that we can feel our feelings and it's okay to feel our feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we don't have to push ourselves out of it all the time. Sometimes we need to sit with them so that those are my, I guess, most and least favorite quotes. Yeah. Such good ones. We've talked yeah. about toxic positivity a lot recently. Actually. Ah, yeah. okay. Yes. So it fits right in. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so true. We've talked also about how you really only see like 1% of somebody's life and there's so much that goes on that you don't realize. Right. And we've kind of talked about that being in our position as, you know, being in the public and mm-hmm. people kind of feeling like they know us in certain ways and they, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So I think that's a really good, right. a good reminder. Um, right. All right. Well, let's talk about gaslighting, shall we? Uh, so, <laughs> what a fun topic. Okay. Yay. But, um, <laughs> so what led you to write this book all about gaslighting? I found over 20 years of practice as a therapist that I was seeing more and more people that were identifying as having emotional abuse in their relationships, where there was a power imbalance, where you had one person trying to convince the other person that they were crazy or telling the other people thought they were crazy. And right around 2016, I mean, you can kind of guess what was going on in the, you know, in the world at that point in our, in our country, uh, the word gaslighting became more prevalent. And so people were coming in and saying, I I read about gaslighting. I think that's going on my relationship. And so I read it. I wrote an article on psychology today about gaslighting and it went viral. And I realized how many people were experiencing this and maybe didn't realize the insidious nature of of emotional abuse, that it it doesn't start out like abuse in a relationship. It slowly creeps up. And so a lot of people are in relationships for even years, not realizing that emotional abuse has been part of it. 
So, so then I started, I wrote the book because there are a lot of people that, that need to know about this process because it happens not only in relationships, but at work and with friendships and family and on a global scale. And so that's kind of where we're at today. Wow. And can So when I first learned about gaslighting um, and the origin of that term, that was so fascinating to me. Can you describe a little bit? Of, it's a movie, correct? Or was it a play? Right. Right. Well, it started out as a play in the 30s, and there's a really famous movie in the 40s uh, with, I believe, it's got Ingrid Bergman in it, I believe. Right. So, uh, And it's a play about uh, the husband's trying to convince the wife that she's going crazy. So what he does is he changes the the gaslights, literal gaslights. So he changes the, the um, I want to say pitch, that's not the right word. Um, but you know what I mean? Like he's the making dark, the more, darkness oh, or lightness. Yeah, the dip, yeah, thank you. Oh, wow. And so she's like, hey, something's up with these gaslights. He's like, nope, mm-mm. You're just going crazy. And so that that's just a little glimpse into it. But that's where the word gaslight comes from, is trying to convince someone that their version of reality is not the right version. And so what it does is it makes the person rely more and more on the perpetrator for their version, the correct, you know, I put that in quotes, correct version of reality. Oh my right. gosh. I did not know that. Yeah, doesn't it get to a point in the movie or play where it's almost like pitch black or something? Yeah. She's like, I can't. It, it, it is getting darker in here. I can't see. And the person's like, nothing's changed. Everything's, you're crazy. Yeah, like, classic just, gaslighting. Yeah. It's oh just in your imagination. Gosh. And it's. <laughs> it's from, room is from a literal black gaslight. Yeah. Literal wow. gaslight is almost, mm-hmm. the room is almost completely pitch black. And she continues to be told, no, nothing's, nothing's different. It's, I can see. Right. Why can't you see? Oh. What's wrong with you? There's something wrong with your eyes. I need to eye watch this face. play. I need to go see this right. thing. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty um, uncommon that there is a a a term like that that isn't more a clinical word, and it's more like this came from a movie, and it's such a perfect example that it turned into like, oh, this is what you call it in in all senses. Yeah, right. It's kind of it's kind of neat to to refer back to like pop culture and go, oh, this is where this came from. You know, it's not like it doesn't derive from Greek or Latin. Yeah, it's from a Ingrid Bergman movie. Yeah, yeah, that really struck me the first time I was really experiencing gaslighting in my life because it's like, oh, what a literal interpretation of that. And that is how that feels mm-hmm. where it's like you do start to question your own reality and then rely right. on, okay, well, if, I'm, if, if what I'm perceiving isn't correct, then this person must be right. And so they must be right about everything. Mm. Right. And it's a very slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Right. Very slippery slope. And and again, it doesn't start out like that. It starts out with love bombing, which is you're the best ever and never met anybody like you. So if anybody ever says, you know, you're the best person I ever met, you want to run the other way. That's that's a red flag. So anybody that speaks in extremes like that, especially like on a first date, and that's when you want to run. And I think that we're, we're taught to be polite uh, in situations. And, but if you get a feeling that something's not right with someone, especially if you think they might be doing gaslighting behavior from the beginning, like love bombing, you need to get up and leave. And we need to not worry so much about looking rude. Mm, right. Yeah. Every second you spend with that person is another second that you're getting pulled into their scheme. Right. right. So can you share, like, what is the definition of gaslighting? What is it? And then some examples of what it might look like in different relationships. Sure. So it's a form of emotional abuse. So again, it's, it's one of those forms of abuse that there are studies showing that emotional abuse can cause even more damage than physical abuse uh, long-term psychologically. And, uh, and again, it's something that you don't see. 
So these are people that perpetrate gaslighting can be pillars of the community. They're looked at as you know people that can do no wrong. Uh, but when you're with them one-on-one is, is when they're abusive. Like they can be very selective about who they, they display the abuse to. So, or the abusive behavior. So uh, gaslighting is where you are telling people that they're crazy, that you're telling people that other people think they're crazy. You're lying to them, just blatantly lying to them, projecting, meaning that you blame other people. Like for instance, a lot of gaslighters are chronic cheaters. And so they will accuse the victim of cheating and they'll say, you know, you came home five minutes late from work. You know, you're, you're sleeping with so-and-so at work or looking through their phone when in fact it's the gaslighter that's cheating. So they'll really put their stuff on someone else. Uh, They use what I call invisible armies, and that's where they say, well, everybody thinks you're crazy. And they speak a lot in absolutes, like everybody, no one, no one will believe you, everybody thinks you're crazy, that kind of thing. Uh, They also will uh, pitch you against people. So they'll say, oh, well, your sister said that you're crazy. And then you get upset with your sister instead of going directly to your sister and going, hey, did you say this thing? Because at that point, you're relying on the gaslighter for their version of reality. So you're going to believe them over your sister, even though your sister has been in your life you know, forever and you're really close with her. You start taking the gaslighter's opinion over people that you love and care about. In the workplace, this is a coworker that will take items from you and then claim that they never did it, that you're just disorganized and useless, and that's why your items are disappearing. They'll tell you a certain project due date, and then they tell you the wrong date and then blame you for not getting it completed and, and embarrass you in front of people. They'll tell you that other people in the office think you're crazy. A boss will give you the wrong project and will do that on purpose to sabotage you. They will try to get you alone uh, to harass you. Uh, and when you try to not be around them, they'll say, well, you know, why are you trying to avoid me? You say, well, you know, I feel really uncomfortable. They say, well, you have no reason to think that you're always so dramatic or so sensitive. (laughs) And then you just like curl into the fetal position and you're like, I can't do anything. That's so right. It's so wild. Yeah. So what are the short-term and long-term psychological effects of somebody who's been gaslit or is currently being gaslit? Well, short term, you get a feeling of just helplessness and that can turn to long-term chronic stress. So the short-term feeling is I can't do anything right. This person is in the right. I'm in the wrong. My whole life has kind of been a lie. Uh, And you start to distrust other people. You start isolating yourself from people. And that's exactly what the gaslighter wants. They want you to separate yourself from people that could say, hey, something's not right with your relationship or something's not right with this friendship or at work. And then long-term, it looks like uh, low self-esteem. It can cause uh, increase in suicidal behavior even, uh, especially because the gaslighter wants you to be their only source of what I call narcissistic supply. Um, and I, that's not what I call it. That's just the term is used. <laughs> I was like, I came up with the term because that sounds narcissistic, but, um, <laughs> <a> narciss- <laughs> but narcissistic supply, um, they want to get all the attention from you, but it's never good enough. So eventually, you know, they will, uh, they will just kind of drop you like a hot potato and leave, which can be really startling for people, especially when their version of reality has been so built up on what the gaslighters version is that when they just leave, that person's left with, with sometimes their identity has been broken down into, they don't even know what their likes or dislikes are anymore. Right. Or they find out you know, over time that this person didn't just cheat once, they've cheated 10, 12, 14, 15 times. Uh, and that, again, that idea of that rug being pulled out from under you uh, can cause you to really go into a tailspin uh, and that can cause some suicidal behavior. So it much, much more of a challenge to 
heal from that type of breakup than in another relationship that's healthier. Yeah, mm. for sure. Wow. I, uh, talking about if you see somebody doing that to you right away of like, oh my God, this is the greatest date I've ever been on or whatever, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's obviously been very romanticized in, in movies and shows mm-hmm. that when you meet somebody and it's amazing and there's a spark that that is supposed to be a good thing. You're supposed to go, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this connection with this person that maybe I never have before and I'm so excited about it. What What is the difference between spotting somebody who might potentially be a narcissist and going to gaslight you eventually and a genuine, exciting connection with somebody where maybe you truly like haven't felt like that before with someone? Great question because yeah, it's really been romanticized. Probably why I don't watch a lot of romantic movies is because it just <laughs> irritates me. <laughs> you've got the grand the grand gesture stuff. I immediately go, oh, you're in trouble. Run, <laughs> you know, instead, instead of just appreciating, oh, it's a grand gesture. So you know, grand right. gestures, first of all, that's something that's a real red flag. Um, I think of like, so I do a Gilmore Girls podcast. There's this episode where um, the the fiance they got into some argument or something. And so he has a thousand flowers delivered to her at work. And I'm like, okay, that's really inappropriate. That's my feeling. Right. And I know a lot of right, people are like, Ooh, that's so romantic. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not healthy because first right. allergies, like that was my first love allergies. <laughs> and then also he, that means delivered to her work and it's a thousand, and flowers like that's that's not okay that's weird right yeah. so oh but but in movies and tv that we go oh that's so wonderful no no that's not wonderful you know right. what's wonderful is someone that treats you well it, along your relationship that doesn't mean you don't have arguments but you don't get into fights you discuss stuff and you work it out you don't resort to grand gestures to make up for your crappy behavior, you know? So, because that's the cycle of abuse. It's the, the building up of, of tension. Then there's an explosion and then there's remorse and grand gestures. And then you go back through the cycle again. Right. So, uh, and and when you're on a, a date, the difference between someone that you connect with and someone that's love bombing you when someone's love bombing you, they're asking you sometimes very personal questions, uh, questions that you wouldn't even feel comfortable with a friend asking you, like, what are your worst fears? And, you know, what are you most sad about in life? And the reason why they're asking that isn't because they're interested in your life. It's because they're collecting ammunition to use against you later. So if they say, you know what, tell me more about your relationship with your sister. You're like, oh, my sister and I haven't talked in forever. I don't even have, it sounds like I don't like my sister. I don't even have a sister. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy's got this thing with her sister. I don't know some of that. But um, so so that you say, well, I don't know, we haven't talked in a while, and you know, we have this issue. If you get into a fight later on with this person, they'll say, Oh, well, now I see why your sister doesn't talk to you anymore. So you see like how they use this stuff later. They'll build up ammunition and they'll say stuff like, I've never been on a date like this before, and I've never felt this way. If you feel that way, usually don't say it out loud. Um, and yeah, if you get a dopamine boost when you meet somebody you really connect with, but this is someone that's going above and beyond that. They are already talking about commitment in the first date, or they are talking about moving in together on the first date and they, uh, you know, shower you with gifts. And again, it, when it's a, a healthy relationship, you can connect with somebody, but there's a slower buildup. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but usually there's a slower buildup, but, but grand gestures you've got to watch for, right? There's a difference between bringing flowers to someone and then, you know, bring a thousand flowers with you to their workplace, like the show. So you really yeah. have to look for how intense is it and, and how unrealistic is it too? That how right. can you really meet somebody for the first time and say, this is the best day I've ever been on. And it's only 15 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that stuff feels good, right? It feels good for us to, you know, have somebody that likes us, but again, it's, it's, it's a performative kind of liking. It's not a, it's not a real thing. And it's cognitive empathy. This is somebody that will talk about themselves the whole time. Uh, but when they ask you how you're doing or how your day's been, they don't really care. It's more like uh, they know they have to ask that because that's socially what you do, but they don't really listen to the answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's such a difference too, between maybe going on an incredible date and you going home and either thinking to yourself or calling a friend and being like, I think that was like maybe one of the best dates I've ever been on. That was so much yeah. fun. As opposed to 15 minutes into the date, telling that person this is the best date I've ever been on. It's oh, like, right. Yeah. Oh, I've never crazy. felt this way about anybody. Yeah. Run. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a lot. 15 minutes in and the first day you meet, like, that's a lot. Right. Yeah. But I can see the other side was that people think, oh, well, you know, it's going to be boring if I don't have that spark, but sometimes that spark builds too. And that's something we need to think about that, that right. sometimes the best relationships are ones that build up over time. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just fit yeah. into this podcast so well with the whole, like, first of all, allergies comment. I was just like, oh my God. This is, <laughs> he's, I mean, seriously, that's what I thought. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just did an episode on allergies and it's like a running theme on the show. I have a, oh, okay. billion, I have a billion allergies. Yeah, I was just like, and, rude. Yeah. So rude. I'm like, are you trying to kill me? Why would oh, you? Oh, yeah. and the best part is she works in, a, in an inn, right? So there's people coming in. I'm like, that is so rude. <laughs> That you're going to have like guests coming in and there's all these flowers. I'm like, what a jerk that he like sends her a thousand flowers and then is like, oh, well, oh, you work in an inn? No problem. I'm going to send these anyway, even though you're going to have all these, these, you know, people staying there and they need to go to the, you know, CVS to go get Zizol or whatever it is. You know, like he doesn't care. So. Yeah. And, and he's portrayed in the show as being this great guy, which I think we also have like characters and shows and movies that reinforce to people. Oh, what a wonderful thing he did. That's so romantic. They did this grand gesture. No run. Mm. Are you yeah. a sex in the city fan? I've watched, I went, you know, I don't know if I'm a fan, but I've watched it. So I guess maybe that does make me a fan. I don't, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle with that, but yeah, but I've bring it up. Been, I'll probably know it. <laughs> well, I've always been curious on a therapist's, um, point of view on the character of Mr. Big because oh yeah he's bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah there's a there's a toxic push-pull thing to that and Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of the appeal is that um and so yeah so now I'm going to tell you like when I just said I'm not a fan I'm going to tell you all about the character Mr. Big Uh, (laughs) but uh there's a a real intoxication thing that happens in their relationship but then there's that distancing thing. So it's an approach distance. And I don't know if you've talked about attachment um, in podcasts before, but you know, there's an avoidant, anxious episodes, attachment yeah. thing mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that's that can be a very addictive type relationship. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because yeah. both people are feeling what the other wants in that kind of sick way. It's like... Right. Yeah. And I would say that yeah. both of them have some narcissistic tendencies. If really? not full-blown Carrie, narcissism. Carrie and big. 
So if you look at, and again, here, I just so have a family, I'm going to bring up another thing. I, this so, is so interesting. <laughs> so when she um, asked Charlotte for money and Charlotte says no, Carrie gets in this real guilt and shaming thing about, you know, you have this money and you should give it to me. And why haven't you? And, and Charlotte answers the way which you should to someone that's kind of guilting you into that. And she's like, you know, you've had, you've made some irresponsible financial decisions and really kind of held tight to, there's a reason why I'm not giving you money. And she's basically like saying, I'm not going to enable you. Mm. But Carrie was just so angry that, you know, she didn't offer money to her. I think that's what it was. Like all the girls offered her money. The other two offered her money and, and Charlotte didn't. And Charlotte's the wealthiest of all of them. And so she, Carrie, right. instead of going, oh, I wonder why, it was like the sense of entitlement. Like, why didn't you? Like you should have. And to me, that's a narcissistic kind of response right oh yeah oh my gosh. This is, we could just turn this whole episode into like <laughs> sex breaking the down sex the city characters <laughs> it's also oh, kind of funny in that part of the um of the episode with that because it's like carrie's like a woman in her mid-30s in the show and it's right. like also like why are you at a place in your life where you even need to be borrowing money from a friend anyway like if you're in a bind and need right. to borrow money like i mean there are banks and institutions that you could go get a loan from or something but like yeah that whole that whole thing was was interesting so and she has this whole thing about a woman's right to shoes right so she's not not getting by on her you know on her on her writer salary we can talk about that too how unrealistic her salary would be right (laughs) how she's living but yeah she's buying 400 500 pairs of shoes now the shoes are great but you know she has this i have a right to and I know right, that that's yeah. said like kind of as a pithy comment on woman's right to shoes, but, <laughs> but still it's, it's, you got to think about what are your priorities? Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. And that you shouldn't rely on other people to prop you up because you're making poor financial decisions, especially not get mad at them because you think that because they're wealthy, they should be able to give you money. Well, I'd feel like Charlotte in that way too. It's like, wait, you can't pay your rent, but you just bought Manila Blahniks. Like, what? right. <laughs> What the fuck? Right. You know, like, what are we doing here? Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's reality check. And again, yeah, you have someone that was refused to be codependent in that relationship. Which is Charlotte right. saying, she was setting yeah, a boundary. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. She's setting a boundary and being very clear about it. Yeah. Mm, or also, she's a, yeah, Charlotte is a good boundary setter, too, in that um, when, when Carrie, you know, kind of confesses to her that she, I think Carrie, Charlotte runs into Carrie leaving the hotel with Big. I think. Right. Yeah. And then she, and then Carrie says later, she's like talking about the relationship and Charlotte's like, no, no, no. She's like, you need to stop doing this. I'm, I can't talk to you about this anymore. You're being the other woman. And she said, you know, I think she was married or getting married at that point. Charlotte was. So she said, you know, you're, you're the other woman. And Carrie's like, no, I'm not. And she goes, no, yeah, you are like, I'm not going to get into this with you. I'm not going to even get in the conversation because it was hurting Charlotte. So, right. and that's where Charlotte was not going to set herself on fire to keep Carrie warm. She was mm-hmm. not going to. Oh. One of our favorite quotes on this we show. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I'm- what makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? <laughs> Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm curious to know, like, is everyone susceptible to gaslighting or is there a certain person or personality type that is more likely to be? Everyone is susceptible. Even if you've had completely healthy relationships up to this point, you're susceptible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there are people that are more vulnerable. I think if you're going through anxiety, depression, grief, or have ADHD, I think that there, there are times where you feel more vulnerable. I think we all know those, those points where we feel more like a raw nerve. Uh, and that's where sociopaths gaslighters will zero in on you, especially if you're doing online dating, your profile says anything that makes you feel like you've been vulnerable or you've, you know, sometimes people will write, like, I'm, I'm looking for a good person. I've had, you know, issues with the past with people not treating me right. I guess I will zero in on that because they feel like you will be more open to their range of crappy behavior. Right. And I would say almost if you, um, have not had an interaction with either somebody with MPD or Ben Gaslit mm, before right. a relationship that you are even more susceptible because you don't know the warning signs to look for. Like you don't have it in your body yet of like, oh shit, I've seen this once before and like this is right. not a good sign. Right. And then in the workplace, you have so many position of power that's gaslighting you. That's tricky too, because you go, well, you know, I've got this job that I've worked for my whole life. I have this job what if I leave? Am I going to find another job? And so there's a, a pressure there in the workplace that really causes people to stay in those situations. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I have another question about uh, kind of the beginning stages of a relationship. Cause I feel like that that's where everything is such a slippery slope because you're getting to know somebody new, somebody's getting to know you and you're wanting to give people kind of the benefit of the doubt, right? Or like, mm-hmm. you're like, well, I'm getting to know this person. And um, being courted involves mm-hmm. a certain level of like sharing um, feelings or telling the person you're interested and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What do you feel is the difference between somebody love bombing you and somebody letting you know how they feel and showing that mm-hmm. sort of consistent interest? I think part of it is that people need to earn our vulnerability. So I would start with that, that it feels really good to have someone's attention, but we need to look at, is it too much? I think that's really a gut feeling that we know what feels comfortable to us. Now, if you haven't had somebody love bomb you, uh, it can feel just like, wow, they really, really like me. This is great. But again, look at the pattern of people. You know, if you haven't been exposed to this before, look at the pattern of people that you've been in relationships with in the past. How did that form? And, and the healthy one, again, is a slow ramp up. Um, that doesn't mean there's not chemistry and there's not sparks, but it's not a push towards uh, pressuring you to move in together or pressuring you for a relationship right away. So it's a little bit different. A lot of that, I can just say it's intuition. If something doesn't feel right, it's not. And, and again, look at, you know, what is it? with your ego being kind of filled by that attention and what is actual connection? Because there's a lot of pushing without an actual emotional connection going on. Right. 
And how do you know if somebody is like a chronic gaslighter versus somebody who might just be kind of emotionally immature and they haven't learned mm-hmm. effective communication yet? Oh, that's a good well, question. And that, though. Yeah. And that brings up a good point about gaslighters can either, uh, they have different origins. One could be that you were raised by parents that were narcissists and you learn these behaviors, you know, that's called fleas, the behaviors you kind of carry with you because you can develop some narcissistic tendencies just because you've had to do that as a survival mechanism in your childhood. And then when you get older and you're still using those in relationships, you realize, wait a second, something's not working for me. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody about that. Those are people that tend to not be narcissists because narcissists have an egocentric personality, which means that they think everyone else has a problem. They don't. So they are less likely to go to therapy. But if someone says, hey, I think the way I've been doing stuff isn't working anymore. And they go to therapy that kind of tells you they're probably not a narcissist. So the other type are ones that purposely manipulate you. And then there are people that are just what I call born with bad wiring um, and people that have NPD. So there's a range of, of why people do this. Now, that, that doesn't mean they're not responsible for their behavior. They're 100% responsible. And you still need to get away from those people until they get help. Or if they refuse to get help, you just don't have a connection with them. The best thing to do is just go radio silence and cut them off. Right. So I don't know if I answered your original question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's about, I guess, self-awareness and wanting to improve mm-hmm. a situation versus never taking responsibility and it's always other people's fault. So right. what does setting a boundary look like in these situations? If you think you're being gaslit or if you've been gaslit for a long time, what are some examples of what maybe people can do if they feel like this is happening to them? Well, I think there's a lot of trepidation, a lot of fear about bringing something like this up to some of this gaslighting because you can kick off their narcissistic rage. And people that are have, have narcissistic tendencies, gaslighters, require you to be loyal, but they will not be loyal back. And for them, loyalty means that you never question them. So for a lot of people, even bringing up the fact that, hey, I don't like the way you're talking to me or this isn't okay, will really kick off anger issues. And it will also make the gaslighter blame the other person. They'll say, well, you're just being sensitive or, you know, what you heard isn't what I meant, or I never said that. Or, you know, first it's, I never said that. Then it's, well, I said that, but you know, I, you know, you had misinterpreted it. Then it's, well, yeah, I said that that's what I meant, but this is why. So there's always a reason why they said the thing, right? They never fully apologize for something. And so sometimes the best thing to do is to just go radio silence and just leave. And what people will do if they have those narcissistic gaslighting tendencies is they will try to hoover you. They'll try to suck you back in. So hoovering named after the vacuum. So right. they will uh, <laughs> they will do whatever it takes to bring you back in. They will say to you, well, that commitment you want, okay, I'm ready to give that commitment. Or, you know, this thing that you need, I'm ready to give that to you. But they'll never apologize for their behavior. Mm-hmm. If they do, again, it's performative and there's no empathy behind it. It's very cognitive. It's just to get you back into their fold so they can get that narcissistic supply. Mm -hmm. So one of the best things you can do is just block phone numbers, block social media, block uh, emails, tell people that are mutual friends or family to say, hey, you know, talking about this person, that's a no-fly zone with me. Because you'll have what are called flying monkeys, where named after the characters Wizard of Oz, that will spread messages from the gaslighter to you. So let's say, oh, so-and-so is so sad. And, you know, I think you guys were really good together and he really wants to get back together and blah, blah, blah. No, you tell people, yeah, we're not talking about that because that's one of the ways that gaslighters kind of hoover you back in. 
So sometimes it's just leaving and people have left relationships. They've just moved out while the person's been at work uh, and just taken their stuff and left. Uh, sometimes you just have to leave without taking your stuff. And you have to think about you know, what's worth it more to me, this stuff I left behind or just my mental well-being. And usually sometimes people will go back to this type of relationship at least three times before they finally leave for good. And also when you leave, the lethality of the relationship goes up quite a bit. So that's another thing to look at if this person's at any kind of physically abusive behavior as well, right. is to really make sure that you're safe and you're in a safe location and that person cannot have access to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Are there certain tells with um, somebody apologizing only for their personal gain uh, mm-hmm. and versus genuinely apologizing? Are there ways that you can spot a difference? Sure. I think we've all seen the non-apology apology where someone's kind of called on something and they say, well, you know, I'm sorry that you got upset about the thing I did. Right. Instead I'm of sorry, saying, but yeah. I feel that way. Right. 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 I'm sorry that you're very sensitive and you get, you know, that kind of thing. So a proper apology is I'm sorry I did this thing and here's what I'm going to do to work on that. That's a proper apology. It doesn't put anything on the other person. Right. And then actually working on it. And actually working right. on it. I think that's another thing we need to look at. Yeah. If, if right. part of you know the key to your relationship is, hey, you need to go to therapy and you have to kind of look at it as, okay, I'm going to give them, you know, like maybe a couple of weeks to find a therapist because it's really not that hard to find when you just contact one and you know, if they're available. Right. But right. really just a, like a month of having somebody find someone is not that hard. So if they stay in therapy, and that gets tricky too, because you know, you don't need to see receipts or whatever. But if if you know that they're going, maybe give it a couple of months to see if they're continuing to go and if there's any changes made. Because if you have someone go to therapy, they're not willing to do the work, there may not be change. Right. So I recommend that people figure out what their line in the sand is. And that helps you set boundaries. What's the line in the sand that you say, you know what, this is not the relationship for me. Mm-hmm. What are the signs that you're looking for that someone's getting better? It could be if they do any kind of physical confrontation behavior, whether that's backing to a corner, whether it's blocking your exit, then it's done. Because now you're getting a physical abuse. Physical abuse isn't just hands on you. It's also blocking your exit from places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a lot. We've mentioned NPD a lot on this episode. Are there Mm -hmm. other disorders or people who have experienced certain types of trauma that leads them into being a quote unquote gaslighter? Or is it just kind of NPD specific? I think when you look at that cluster B in in our diagnostic manual, cluster B uh, personality disorders, which are personality disorders rooted in impulsivity. Now, I want to say that, you know, if you have ADHD, that's not the same kind of impulsivity we're talking about. We're talking about impulsivity to manipulate. Um, That's like borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, which we also tend to call sociopathy, uh, sociopathic behavior. Uh, And then we have histrionic, which is, you know, the classic drama queen kind of behavior. Uh, And then we have narcissistic, which we've spoken about. So uh, those are the types of behaviors you see. Now, we can all have traits of things, but when you're on the end of the continuum, then it's a diagnosable disorder. But I would say if there's behavior that you feel is not healthy or abusive, you need to stop the relationship period, regardless of of if someone's been diagnosed or not, whether you think they have something or not, if someone's treating you in an abusive manner, and again, emotional abuse can be very kind of sneaky. Uh, So I think the best thing you can do is educate yourself as to what emotional abuse is and leave if you see any signs of that. Right. And I mean, we had like people like Lee Hammock who've been on the show who are self-aware, diagnosed with NPD, and they Mm -hmm. really want to do better. 
So Mm -hmm. if anybody's tuning in right now who might think that they're the one that's been gaslighting other people and they really do want to change, what might they be experiencing or feeling when they're gaslighting? Like what are signs that they can look for? Like this might be me and I want to get help. There can be a sense of cognitive dissonance when you're gaslighting someone, which means that you feel, wait a second, what I'm doing doesn't feel true to who I am or it feels manipulative, or it feels like what I'm trying to do is not in my best interest or this other person's best interest. I think that's what you have to really look at. Does this fit with what my internal values are? Or also are my internal values needing some work too? Uh, And I think people can have that moment of clarity, especially when they're arguing with a partner, when they're in a fight with a partner, they may feel like, wait a second, this is not kind of who I am. And I don't like what I'm turning into. And there are a lot of therapists, including myself, that work with people that either have been victims or gaslighting or gaslighting themselves. And I think that's a really courageous step to, to call and say, hey, I think I'm having some gaslighting behaviors. I think I'm having some narcissistic behaviors. I need help. And usually what I find is there's been someone in the family, a caregiver, a parent that has some characteristics of narcissism. I see that quite a bit. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you qualify for a diagnosis of NPD or borderline personality disorder, but it kind of gives me a clue as to maybe you learn these behaviors again as a survival mechanism and they no longer are needed in your relationships. Yeah. I mean, I could ask you sex in the city questions for 45 days. Um, (laughs) And you might want to edit that part out where I say I'm not a fan because apparently I am. So (laughs) it's so fun. I just feel like that shows so many people have such strong opinions on the characters. And I think specifically Carrie and Big's relationship. And um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating from a therapist's point of view to. I have to ask you what your favorite characters are. I like parts of everybody except Charlotte. Like I just don't really, she Ah. always to me is like just kind of this wet blanket, like doesn't fit. I just don't uh-huh. see a. I don't see in the real world why she would ever be part of that group of friends. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Where yeah. like they start talking about like anal or something. She's like, ah, well, I can't talk about anal over breakfast. And like, it's like, well, then what the fuck are you doing with these friends? Like, this is what they're talking about. You know, like it's just weird to me. There's just there's like so this is much, new to you, right? Like, it's like season five, that's still happening. I'm like, get right. new friends then, because that's what right. this is about, man. Like that they just we wrote her to be so um I don't know if I want to say unlikable, but just un I guess unrelatable. Rigid. Yeah. Yeah. Like just not, not like anybody that I would gravitate toward, I guess. So like, I don't relate to her a ton. Um, Mm -hmm. but I like love Samantha. Samantha's such a, she's just so funny and fun. That's my favorite too. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, I feel like Carrie has a warmth to her as a friend Mm -hmm. that is very like kind of intoxicating. And maybe that's like Mm -hmm. her potential NPD or something. Right. It's funny. And then I think Miranda is also super funny and so Mm -hmm. logic based. And I'm also very logic based. So I like that sort of like when she's decided if she should get back together with Steve, writing out the pros and cons list. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I love all that. I mean, and I was like, you know, team Aiden. We all love Aiden. Aiden was just such a dream. John Mm -hmm. Corbin. Yes. My God. (laughs) Delicious. Yeah. I didn't. Well, I didn't see much of Sex in the City, but I saw enough to get an idea 
of that. But yeah, Kelsey and I are kind of like anal talk over breakfast kind of ladies. So I understand that maybe Charlotte, <laughs> yeah, Charlotte might not fit in this. <laughs> but you, and you also know that Samantha, if something goes on in your life, Samantha will will fight for you. I mean, I like that about her too. You know, like the whole baby is bringing up Charlotte again. The whole baby name thing where the lady stole her baby name. Of, yes. Of <laughs> oh, God, I even know what the baby name was. Okay, so I totally am a fan. You're take, a fan. Uh, yeah. You're the so, president of a fan. watch this yeah. show? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I'm a fan. I, I guess I am. So, um, so Samantha's like basically yelling at the lady, like, you know, you bitch, how could you do that? You know? Right. And you're like, well, yeah, Samantha's going to fight for you no matter what. Right. Even if she doesn't totally agree with you, you're her friend. And I really like that about her, that kind of, you know, she has your back no matter what. Yeah. And she's hilarious. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, I have a question. Now that we're on like TV stuff, are there other characters that you feel like you could diagnose? Just like personality disorders? Oh, so many. Oh, wow. Like, so many. TV show characters? Like, you know, it's weird. Problem. Like, you know, well, we're talking about like, like flying monkeys. I think the first thing I think of is the Wizard of Oz, like the actual Wizard of Oz. Like he's running all this stuff and he's trying to make himself look like he's something he's not. And he's just a guy behind a curtain, you know? So there's yeah. all this bravado and all this, you know, I am all knowing and all, you know, and there's just some guy. Um, I think that's the first thing I thought of was the Wizard of Oz, uh, but oh, there's so many. Um, and so there's so many, I can't think of another one right now, but that's the first one I thought was like, there's all this bravado, but there's really nothing there. What about, um, did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. What about what about Walter White? Oh, good question. Wow, that's a yeah. The the character development of that show is just so amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I, there's always that point of everybody talking about when did he break bad, right? When mm-hmm. did he flip over into? And I would say it's probably when he basically blackmailed Jesse into helping him out. So so you wonder, did he always have those antisocial characteristics from the beginning, or did it only? really start kicking up when he realized that he had power. So it's interesting right. to see what people say when they think he turned over into, you know, into kind of badness. Uh, but right. yeah, that's kind of antisocial behavior. Um, so my guess is he had some, he had some characteristics that early on, but then it just kind of exploded. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cause the, the show starts at a certain place where it's not like we had seen is in Skylar's marriage their whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, you see bits and pieces right. and it's made to look like it was great and happy right. and all that. Um, but yeah, who knows? Like maybe there were other tendencies we didn't see. Right. And there's also a, a, a distancing from taking responsibility or not being moral about things. Um, like Jesse's girlfriend, which I can't remember her name now. You know, when she's choking, 
Yeah. Uh, there's a oh, moment where, where he just kind of stands there. Jane, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kristen Ritter. So she, yeah. uh, and he just kind of stands there and you can tell like he thinks about it for like a second. He goes, no, it's better off if she just dies. Like it's better off for me if she does. Mm-hmm. And that's that kind of antisocial, you know, right from wrong, but you don't really care. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, good. What furthers your agenda? Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Michael Scott? Michael Scott's a really interesting one in that there's, you know, he, he had some childhood trauma from his parents divorcing. Um, this is like, I'm talking about like a, like a real person. Yeah. Like a real um, person. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I'm also a fan of the office. So um, I'm like a fan of all the things, I guess. Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a thing about it. It's like, well, does he socially not know? Uh, and then there's the whole thing with Todd Packery of Todd Packery just kind of picks on him. And, and Michael Scott just wants people to like him. So he's willing to say, oh, that's, you know, that's just him being funny or whatever. Now, Todd Packer, antisocial, but it's hard to tell, you know, there's a narcissist thing to him, but also it's kind of like, he really just wants people to like him. And, and I read something or watched something about how the difference between the UK version of the office and the US version of the office is that the UK version, they have a boss. Ricky Gervais that has no redeeming qualities. None. And they He's found that the Ameri- unlikable. Yeah. Right. And then they found the American version of it. They found that that people in the US would be much less tolerant of a boss that had no positive qualities. Right. And I thought that was an interesting comment just on society. But but also you know, Michael Scott's got some redeeming qualities too. Again, he really wants to be friends with his employees and he really wants people to like him and, and he will stick up for you in some cases. So it's really hard to tell with him because again, he's got childhood trauma. Right. Mm. He like, you know, is the only one who shows up to Pam's art show and is like, I'm really proud of you. And there's a moment where when he's trying to get um, set up for a date that he's like, what's so wrong with me that I couldn't, You know, and it really, it's almost like he's asking his coworkers, but he's also, it's kind of like asking the audience too, like, yeah, I mean, why, why doesn't this man deserve love, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's, yeah. Right. And Jan Levinson, narcissist. Oh. Who's that? Which one is that? Jan. Jan Levinson's the the girlfriend and they live together in the dinner party episode, which is one of the most cringy episodes ever. Uh, I think Scott's Tots is the first cringiest one, but this is the second cringiest one. (laughs) Yes. And so there's this whole thing with like Hunter and you know, like there's, you know, her, that's her assistant right, that you know, she, right. she apparently had an affair with or something that's in, on this recording that she plays. Right. But yeah, it's, you can see that whole interaction is like almost kind of like dueling narcissists, but she definitely has a narcissist thing is like, I want my candle company. I want to not work. I want to sleep in the bed. He can sleep on this little thing at the foot of the bed. And he shows him like, he's all curled up in this little thing at the foot of the bed. Yeah. Um, yeah so you see like, she kind of runs everything. And that's another thing where he's, right. he's vulnerable. Right. Right. He's and working two jobs to maintain the lifestyle she wants. She wants right. to take the car to go to yoga. So she makes him walk to mm, right. improv or something like that. And right. then he's like, how was yoga? And she's like, I didn't go. It's just all about her. Uh, right. Yeah. And no response. We were behavior. Like she goes into David Wallace and says, Oh, you're firing me because my implants are not, you know, and he's like, no, you're just really erratic. Like you've yeah, got really bad behavior. behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you just mentioned Maybe like borderline or narcissist, but yeah. Mm. Okay. You mentioned childhood trauma. Have you found in mm-hmm. your practice that it's similar childhood trauma that might lead to somebody being 
a gaslighter or being gaslit perpetually or something? I, I find that it really differs on the person. So it's, yeah. it's you know, gaslighting behavior can be very similar on the whole, but the reasons why people got to that behavior can be very different. But I do see quite a bit of childhood trauma, especially see in, in people with borderline personality disorder, a childhood history of sexual abuse. And I think that's also been found in research too, um, that there's a much higher rate of sexual abuse in people with borderline personality disorder compared to other personality disorders or, or the community at large. Um, so you do see with some disorders, some types of trauma that are similar. Um, with gaslighting behavior, it can really run the gamut from this person didn't have childhood trauma and just had these behaviors even when they were very young, uh, all the way up until uh, you know severe abuse. So I think that the thing is that anybody can be a victim of a gaslighter, but anybody can also perpetrate it too. Mm. And that's something that we need to look at too. And sometimes we have to take a hard look at ourselves and go, what have we done? Now, I had somebody ask a good question about what's the difference between influence and gaslighting because you're advertising and other things are influence. And influence is, I think, something that is for a positive game, but gaslighting is to gain control and power and to reduce that person to not being able to feel like they can think for themselves. And I think that's the difference between influence and it's the intent in gaslighting. Mm, right. That is a good question. Right. Wow. Because if you have power over somebody through gaslighting, you can essentially live your life without consequences. Right. Because that person's going to be afraid to bring it up or feel like, oh, well, they deserve to do that behavior. Yeah. Exactly. And someone else asked me, what's the difference between bad communication or relationship and gaslight? Which is a great question. Bad communication or poor communication, you're not getting your needs across well. You're not sure how to exactly phrase those or you feel like you're not being listened to. Uh, that's something that can be common in a lot of relationships just because we grew up in different families and, and you know, we're trying to kind of put something together from two people with maybe different backgrounds. That's something that's different than gaslighting is usually I'm a perpetrator and a victim. And the perpetrator is trying to poke holes in that person's version of reality or their reality in order to, again, get that person into their narcissistic fold so they can use them for supply. Right. So there's, again, a difference between people having poor communication and, and this type of behavior, which, again, is emotional abuse. It's pretty relentless. Again, it's a slow ramp up, but then it becomes something that's continual over time. Poor communication happens, you know, sometimes uh, this is a, a set pattern of behavior. Right. right. Oh, man. And, like, it can be really subtle, too. Like, it can it can be super extreme and really subtle, which is kind of strange, like, the the example that you brought up with like being in a dark room and saying it's dark and the person's like no it's not it's fine that is so right. it feels like so extreme can can you share some examples of like some subtle kind of gaslighting where there may be planting seeds or something along the way sure should i give you an example of extreme and an example of of lower levels so extreme would be someone hiding valuable items on someone like a wedding ring and then blaming that person for being irresponsible that they don't care about the relationship because they lost their ring when in fact the person has hid them i've seen that time and time again in the in the later stage of these relationships a subtle version is the coworker that tells you the wrong due date for something uh and that's why you always get stuff in writing so you say hey can you shoot that to me in an email or put it on slack or whatever so you have it in writing. That's one way to avoid that. Another subtle sign is, um, you know, like typical stuff, like, like it starts out small. It's stuff like uh, you see somebody with their hand in the cookie jar. This is just a example. But, uh, and you say, hey, you know, how are those cookies? And they're like, what do you mean? I didn't have a cookie. 
So it starts out with inconsequential stuff and then it ramps up into. So by the time they start bringing up stuff about the relationship, you're already used to them breaking down your reality in other ways too. Right. Wow. Or silly stuff. Like they had toothpaste on the counter. You're like, Hey, do you mind wiping the counter? Like, what are you talking about? Well, there's toothpaste on the counter. No, Mm-mm. there wasn't toothpaste on the counter. You know, it's lying for like, for reasons that don't really make sense. Right. Uh. And then they ramp you up into, oh, this is normal, right? And so we're used to people that aren't gaslighters. So the first time you get in this kind of relationship, it really throws you for a loop and you think it's you because you haven't encountered this before. And so it's a very normal human reaction to go, what did I do? What can I do to change that this person isn't going to be like that? Because again, the person changes almost sometimes overnight. It's subtle, but it's quick. And does the person who's doing the gaslighting, are they logically, are they thinking like, I'm going to start off with something really small. And then in six months, I'm going to ramp up to something big. Are they aware what they're doing along? I think it depends on the person. I think some aren't aware at all. And I think some are, uh, and again, the person's still hundred percent responsible. Yeah. And what I tell people that are victims of gaslighters is let's not talk about the why of what they did, because we'll probably never know the why. And that's the answer is never going to be good enough. Let's talk about what you can do to rebuild or what you can do to, to continue ceasing contact with this person because they will try really hard to get you back. Right, right. Yeah, I was just about to ask what the why is in terms of, because you're saying sometimes it can just happen overnight and it's like, right. what, why? Like why right. overnight would that, you know, start? But yeah, it's, I mean, like you're saying, it's- yeah. You probably can't get really an honest answer out of them. But like, right. if they tell you why, it's probably like, well, that might not be the answer. Right. right. And, it's not, and we like having answers and we don't get an answer. It really bothers us. We don't like ambiguity in life, right? right? But sometimes we sometimes we, we just don't get closure from it because we're never going to find out the why. And if you did know the why, it still wouldn't heal the pain. So that's where we kind of have to give ourselves our own closure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, because of the other um, episodes we've done kind of around NPD, it almost seems like the person who might realize, oh, I've been in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and now I have to get out of it. Sometimes they have to kind of lie or gaslight to get out of something safely. And then it's defensive kind of, gaslighting. Right. Yeah. They blame themselves. Yeah. They feel guilty because I'm like, oh, I'm the I'm just right. as bad as they are. How does how what would you say to somebody who might be struggling with that right now where they're trying to get out? I think therapy is is really helpful for that uh, because it, sometimes people will say, well, I was abusive, too. But no, you were having behaviors to try and get out. That's different than perpetrating. Right. That sometimes you have to. uh do things that aren't really what you feel is okay or in your repertoire of behavior just so you can save yourself. Wow. And that's not abuse. That's you trying to escape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And you have a lot of gaslighters will accuse someone of gaslighting too. And we talk about how that's projection. That's their stuff they're putting on somebody else. Right. Well, the therapy you've been really it. helpful for that. You've been such an amazing guest. So good. (laughs) Um, So good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Del, do you have any uh, more questions? I feel like you answered literally everything that I had. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. Yay. Where can people find you? Oh, at uh, stephaniesarkis.com. Beautiful. Okay. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. much. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yes. Great. We'll talk about sex in the city some other time. (laughs) Sounds good. She is awesome. I had so much fun with this episode. (laughs) Boy, we did not. I I had no idea that we were going to be able to break down popular TV characters as well. And that was 
also super fun. <laughs> I am so excited to have her back at some point because she's also an expert in adult ADD. She's written all kinds yeah, of books yeah. about it. And so that is a highly requested topic from our community. So um, we hear you guys on that one and we'll have Dr. Sarkis back at her earliest availability for that episode too. Yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. This iTunes review is from Syat School. What do you think that says? Kelsey, I feel like I need help with this one. <laughs> it's a, it's truly a journey every time we try to um, figure out what an uh, iTunes account name is. Oh, see ya at school. Oh, yeah. There we go. We, <laughs> okay. It's like Rorschach test. We're like, what do you see when you look at this <laughs> collection of letters together that this, yes. you decide what it, it says. is? Yes, woman. Thanks to the pandemic because I fell in love with you guys. Thanks for everything you guys share. I hope y'all stay safe and well. Thank you so much, Zia at school. We we figured you out eventually. We really appreciate it. We really did. Thank you. Uh, you got any segments, Kels? Any hot wrecks? Any good shits? Any hashtag hey. goals? That's a big throwback to years ago. <laughs> hashtag goals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I was in Arizona. We are recording this. It's early June when we're recording this, but this episode doesn't come out until July 12th. Um, I, uh, I just got back from a bachelorette party for, uh, one of my best friends, Hannah in Arizona. And it was my first kind of true vacation post COVID, you know, yeah. uh, uh, not that COVID's over, but just, you know, since, right. since COVID everything happened. arrived. Yes. Um, and man, it's, uh, it just was so nice to spend some time, uh, with, with my best friends and Arizona, man, Scottsdale, Arizona is like the Vegas of Arizona. It's, it's crazy. People no, are, I haven't been there. Oh, it was, it was a really fun time. So that was, that was just a nice, nice getaway. And then I get to go to Hawaii. Oh, nine days. It's my first time um, going to Hawaii for, for Hannah's wedding. And I get to be in Hawaii for a full week. So I don't think I've ever taken an actual full week for vacation ever. Really? Yeah. Even my honeymoon was only, I think we only did like four days, four or five days, maybe. Yeah. Like I've never just done a full week and I had to get talked into it from my other friends that are going to, the, they're like, Oh, I'm so glad they did that to you. <laughs> so I know I, it was hard. I was like, gosh, that's so long to be away and yeah. not be working. And I'm, I'm really glad they did too, because it allows for true vacation to happen rather than I think sometimes if you are only on vacation for three, four days, you kind of get into that mode of like, okay, well, let's cram as many things as we can in these three or four days. And we've got to, we've got dinner reservations at this place. We've got to, you know, go check this place out. But if you have a week, you get to have days in there where you're like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to walk the beach. I'm just going to walk the fucking beach. <laughs> yeah. It's just nice. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. How about... Thanks. How about you, Del? I feel like I got a hot wreck. Honestly, I'm not a rewatcher of things. As you, as anybody listening who knows, I I watch one thing. I watch a TV show and I'm done forever. Mm -hmm. I 
love Bo Burnham's new special inside. I watched it twice and literally paused throughout the special so I could read things in the background. That's how much I loved his special. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, I thought it was very well done and the songs are really catchy and good. And it's, uh, you know, it feels very raw about like just mental health during COVID and just, yeah. If you're, if you're into it, watch it and then pause it because he has like whiteboards in the background with writing on them. And there's one point where there's like a projector with a bunch of like words on it. I just like pause it and read that shit. Cause it's fucking hilarious. Okay. I've been, I really want to watch it. I just saw Rosebud Baker who we've had on the show. She just posted yeah. on Instagram that it's like the best special she's seen in years. And oh yeah, people are really excited about it. So yeah, I'm going to check it out. It's really good. It's really good. We uh, we love you guys. Uh, again, tour dates, KelseyCook.com. Got Springfield, Missouri coming up. Uh, Fort Collins, Colorado coming up. Um, I'm blanking on one more. Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin oh, yeah. coming up. So, yeah, um, and, and probably some more by the time this comes out. So, KelseyCook.com for tour nice. dates. Yeah. Everything's yeah. on my website, DelaneyFisher.com. Oh, and also, it's like our four-year anniversary for the show soon. Well, it will, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, it will have been past it. So yeah, we, we have to do something special to celebrate. It might be a little belated because we've like banked so many episodes at this point, but four years. Oh my gosh. Recommendations are invited. If you, if there's something specific or a specific guest, you'd love us to try to get on for a four year anniversary show or something weird. Kelsey and I do. Let us know. Self-helplesspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. All right, guys. We hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 